Welcome to Beyond the Skyline. This podcast is dedicated to topics related to UAPs, disclosures, and experiences of all kinds. I'm your host, Sheila Seppi, and our guest for this episode is Sarah Breskman Cosme. Now, Sarah is a best-selling author of actually three books. First, there's The Hypnotist's Journey to Atlantis, A Hypnotist's Journey to the Secret of the Sphinx and a hypnotist journey from the trail to the star people. She is a master hypnotist, a level three practitioner of Dolores Cannon's QHHT, and a study of Dr. Brian Weiss. With a passion to reveal hidden or undiscovered knowledge vital to the enlightenment of humanity, Sarah continues to speak about her work worldwide. Her work is now featured internationally on programs such as Fade to Black with Jimmy Church and Coast to Coast AM and on Gaia TV and, of course, here now on the Conscious Awakening Network. So, Sarah, welcome to Beyond the Skyline. Thanks very much, so much for having me. It's such an honor. Well, it's very exciting to have you here. And I was wondering if we could start with a bit about your journey into becoming a master hypnotist and your experience with Dolores Cannon as well as with Dr. Brian Weiss. Sure. Well, when I was younger, I had so many issues and I basically wanted to help myself. I was like overweight. I had all kinds of phobias and fears and I had OCD that was so crippling that it used to take me a while to leave the house because I would flick on and off light switches. So it was really so that I could help myself. That's how I got into the whole self-help you know, um, genre. So I went to therapy for mu- much of my young adult life. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to be a therapist. In fact, you know, when people talk about their dreams for their lives, I wanted to be the best psychologist in the world. I loved studying the mind and I really wanted to help people not suffer. So I decided to go to college and become a psychologist. But something really life-changing happened to me when I went to college. So I was gone from my family's house for about two and a half months because it was Thanksgiving break. And I went back home to my family's house And there's this mirror that you see when you walk through the door. Uh And when I walked through the door and saw my reflection in the mirror, I was shocked because while I was gone for only two and a half months, and granted, this was important. I ate the same or worse. I mean, it was, you know, they say the freshman 15, I ate pizza, I was drinking beer, but I had lost a considerable amount of weight, like a lot of weight. And I realized in that moment, oh my gosh. I had forgotten to have all my problems while I was away because I changed my environment and I had changed my thought patterns. And so I thought about all my thought patterns and I had no idea until that moment that that was what was causing all my problems. And I had never, I've never had these problems since because if I have a problem, I, I retrain my thought patterns. So I started to understand, oh my gosh, it's my patterns, like my habits and patterns that I can really change. So I thought, oh my gosh, this is so life-changing for me. I wonder who I could help with this information. You know, people only knew. And um, there was no one I could really talk to about this. So I graduated. And before going to graduate school, I had to do an internship. And my internship was to basically give everyone their medication because I was 
fully medication certified and I would counsel everyone. And, you know, I was so excited. I mean, gung-ho is like an understatement. I was like going to help every single person there, you know, but I felt as if within a week of working at this place that every single thing I had learned was a lie. And this is just my own experience. I mean, everybody has different experiences and it was supposed to be like that for me so that it would alter the direction of my life. But I just felt like, wow, this is the culmination of everything I've learned in college. Like this is what, this is all we have to help people with mental issues. And I just couldn't believe it. I thought, how can this be the leading edge of thought? There must be something better. So I eventually quit that because no one got better. I mean, I worked there for quite a while and I knew that if certain medications were administered, that these would cause a whole a whole host of other side effects. So most of the residents there had like 20 different medications and most of the medications were for their side effects and no one was getting better on right. any of these medications. And these were humans, you know, who were like speaking with extraterrestrials. There was a considerable amount of people there and their, their problem was that they were speaking with extraterrestrials. And so in 97, when I was working there, the protocol was that they would be considered schizophrenic and then put oh, on these wow. medications. And some of the messages that they were receiving did not seem horrible. They seemed really beautiful and I just couldn't understand how this was the treatment of, of these people. So I decided to get into hypnosis because I really wanted to help people. And I thought maybe if people could get to the root cause of their issue, that that would help them. So I became a master hypnotist in 2009 and um, I had to do lose weight, quit smoking and pass life regression in order to become a master hypnotist. But it was clear right away that there was something about doing a past life regression with people that seemed to be very effective. Like people were coming in and they would be able to heal themselves after just one session. And it was really mind blowing. So I thought, well, there's something to this. that's actually very effective, whatever it is. So I studied with Dr. Brian Weiss and I did his method for many years. And then I thought... I feel like there's just something missing in my life. Like I couldn't figure out what it was, but I felt like I needed another step. And um, I contacted this psychic and she said, oh, this is like the easiest reading I've ever done in my life. Like <laughs> you're supposed to do Dolores Cannon's method and you're going to get very good at this. You're going to be writing books and speaking about it all over the world and you're not going to be doing anything like what you're doing now. And I thought, why did I waste so much money on a psychic again? You know, like she must have had got me confused with something else. <laughs> but yes, I'm doing all the things she said. And her name is Emmanuelle McIntosh. She lives in France, but she's excellent. Um, so that's how I eventually got into Dolores Cannon. And I worked my way up from the bottom to like one of the top instructors. And before the quarantine, I was teaching it and assisting in the classes with Julia Cannon, um, Dolores's daughter. And we were teaching all over the world. And then now all the classes went online. 
And then I wrote books and I've just, that's how I got into this stuff. It just was seemed like by accident. I didn't want to do any of this stuff when I was younger. I can't even believe like I'm at this point when I wanted to be a psychologist, such the opposite, you know? Right. Now I know um, as a practitioner, we always also want to be practiced on. And I was just curious, have you had any past life regressions that were like a super surprise to you? Um, you know, in most of my past lives, I'm like a scribe. Usually I'm like writing a book. <laughs> I'm, I'm listening to somebody else and scribing. <laughs> it's pretty much like most of my past lives that I've gone into with other practitioners. I basically repeat the same thing. I've poured, you know, from what I found in my past lives, all my books have basically been written before and I mm -hmm. just came back to rewrite them because so much of the information has been lost. So I, I guess that's why I'm so passionate about getting this information back. Awesome. Now, speaking of your books, can you share a little bit about the books that you've written and really what inspired you? to explore these topics through hypnosis? Because it sounds like, you know, this is kind of old news to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it all happened to me by accident. I never intended to do any of this stuff. And it's funny when the psychic said that I would be writing books and speaking about them all the, over the world. I just didn't, I don't know why I just didn't believe any of that. I just, yeah. I, I never considered myself a writer. I didn't, think about doing that at all. But what happened, the whole reason I wrote these books was I had this class opportunity. I wanted to take the highest level of the QHHT training. And so I needed a volunteer on the spot. So I asked my friend who I'd been friends with for over 10 years, if she would be my volunteer and I would just hypnotize her and take this video submission to my class. And I told her what I was doing, that it was Dolores Cannon's method. And basically, um, she might find out about a past life or or maybe find out her true purpose. And she could even heal herself if she had any physical issues, you know. And she said, oh, my gosh, I didn't know what you did, Sarah, because I was she was suffering from this brain condition called pseudotumor cerebri. And she had basically never told anyone except for her husband and this team of specialists. So she worked very closely with a team of specialists at the University of Miami, and they told her there's no cure for this. But the only thing they could do was to put her on heavy-duty medication, and she was only 32, and they said she might have 20 years with this heavy-duty oh. medication. What was happening was she was losing vision out of her left eye, and there was a huge risk of a stroke because it was so severe, her condition. And, and she just agreed on the spot. She said, I'll definitely be your volunteer. But just to give you a little background, she didn't believe in any of this stuff. And the way I knew this for a fact was we had been very close friends for over 10 years. Yeah. And she was a teacher at the kids' school. She was... Um, a history teacher. So she didn't believe in like Atlantis. She never really 
you know, she thought this is all too woo woo. She didn't believe in um, extraterrestrials or um, she barely believed in past lives. She thought it was possible. So the way my books came about is I gave her a session <laughs> and in her first session, when I brought her deep under hypnosis and regressed her, she remembered in so much detail these two very ancient civilizations. So she remembered living in this beautiful society that was in the South Pacific. And it was so compassionate and beautiful. And they were very close to the earth and they um, were very plant-based. They used sacred symbols. They used these labyrinths. They used these crystals. It was really amazing. And the women were the natural leaders there because women could pass through the subconscious straight from the mother to the daughter information about what plants to eat, what plants caused um, which sort of um, alchemical react reactions within the body, also which plants were psychedelic, and they just knew this information. They were also considered to be the more compassionate leaders. And so the women in a lot of these ancient societies, um, it was a matriarchal culture. They were the natural leaders. And um, in this society, we came to understand that they went by this, they called their society Amon, but we came to understand it later as a, something people call Lemuria or Mu, but they called it Amon. That's how they referred to it. And so she realized that it was in the South Pacific and it was like warm and she described things in so much detail. And then she realized that there were these visitors and they were humans. The visitors were humans, but they came in these really high tech, technologically advanced um, travel spheres. So they use like a propulsion mechanism and they would, they would come down visiting. You wouldn't be able to see them until they got out. And then you could see they actually came in a ship and they had really advanced clothing on, but they were very tall. They were taller and they were um, thin and they were had pale skin compared to her. She had a darker skin, more, um, I guess, indigenous looking, as you would say. And these visitors wanted something from her society. And when they couldn't get what it was that they wanted, they wanted a type of immunity that would, would they couldn't really give them this immunity. But when they couldn't get it, they took her as a prisoner and then she spent 60 years in this prison in this really advanced place. Then we came to understand this place was called Atlantis and they were, but that's not what they called it at the time, but that's just the name that our society has given it. And they were using things like stem cell research. They had really interesting technology for cooking their food. They had, um, the system of moats that had many different reasons for them, but one was a desalinization method. They wow. had really interesting methods for that were super, super advanced. They used frequencies um, and they could regrow organs. They could perform full surgeries with frequency tools. And uh, they had all kinds of different things that they were doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, she spent 60 years as a prisoner there. So after this, this lifetime that I regressed her to, <laughs> I asked her higher self, why did they show her this lifetime? And they said, well, the two of us had decided before birth to come into this lifetime now 
to uncover and share this information with the world, that the world had been waiting for thousands and thousands of years because the consciousness hadn't um, reached the right level yet. And then now that the consciousness was reaching the right level, that we could filtrate these memories back into society and people could start slowly, you know, reading the reading this information and healing from it. And they said, that's why we decided to incarnate. And so I asked, well, why, um, what is the root cause of her brain condition? And they said, the root cause was just a catalyst to get her to come see me. So I was like, well, oh, okay. Cause she would have never had a session with me had she not had a catalyst, <laughs> which was true. So then I asked, well, she, she did what she was supposed to do. Can you release the brain condition? And they said, yes. So right after they said, yes, she felt it draining. And it was like draining behind her left eye. She could feel all this water or fluid coming down. And then she went, she had to go like every couple of weeks to her team of specialists at the university. And the next time she went, they couldn't believe it. She was healed and they were just flabbergasted. They were like, I don't know how to explain this, but she told them, well, all I did was this hypnosis, you know, and I, I bas she basically healed herself from looking into herself, you know, and finding out the root cause. And she was very happy, <laughs> but yes. we decided, <laughs> we decided, well, let's get together. Let's find out what this story is that is so important that everyone's been waiting for this information. I mean, what kind of information is this? You know, is it just about Atlantis and Lemuria? So I brought her deep under hypnosis and I thought she was going to remember, you know, the beginning of that lifetime in Lemuria. So I thought that's probably where, where they'll start, mm -hmm. but no, <laughs> They decided to bring my friend who didn't believe in extraterrestrials, like she didn't believe in them at all, back to a lifetime where she was an extraterrestrial, crash landing on Earth for the first time. And I just couldn't believe it as she was describing to me. I just couldn't believe it was like the same friend, like describing to me her jumpsuit, like the symbol on the left pocket, like her elongated skull. I mean her other planet and how they were running out of these resources and they needed to um, find more resources because there was like, they had evolved to the point where they would, what they would do, they had this really interesting practice on their home realm or whatever you want to call it um, because they had evolved past needing to eat and all those things. So they considered it more of like a realm. Um, they would create using technology with crystals and thought, they would create another reality, another realm with um, the use of these red gemstones. And what they would do was they would create this realm and then everyone had to go into the realm at least once. And what would happen is you would be instantly shocked into enlightenment. You would understand the secrets of the universe and once you would do that, you no longer felt competition with one another because, you know, you would understand that you are all one, you are all consciousness. So she said she had gone, well, as a he, 
basically, had gone seven times. And that's why he was chosen to be part of the mission coming to this Earth realm, which they went through like a wormhole and they had a whole star map so they could get here very quickly. But um, she went through there seven times. So, of course, I was like, well, go back. Let's see what it was like. <laughs> so right. I took back in her memories and the way that she described it was she would, as soon as she went into the realm, it felt like her body just kind of like separated from itself. And then she was just shown the secrets of the universe, like a flash, like a download, but it was a full body download where there was no going back after that. And then she said, she remembered that the first thing you're shown when you learn the secrets is that life is just a game and that this game has been going on longer than human beings could possibly comprehend in the aspect of time. But every single soul you meet is part of this ancient, ancient group of beings. And we've traveled from planet or whatever you want to call it, sphere or sphere, re reality to reality, so that we never stop evolving our consciousness. And she also realized that everything is not what it looks like. It's in a figure eight. So it's a figure eight game and it, it folds up on itself. It's never ending and it's a constant expansion through this universe, but nobody is not part of this. We're all, a, we're all ancient grouping of beings. So, so we learned a lot about the fact that they were running low in this resource and what would have happened if they didn't have it, would they would de-evolve. And they have worked so hard to get to where they were. That was their goal was to continue their kind, to continue this resource and to continue evolving. Because in the greater universe, it's so fascinating when clients are remembering things along these lines, they realize that for many beings, they evolve, but it's pretty slow humans are actually known throughout the whole universe to have unlimited potential. So the rate of growth for a human is quite faster. So a lot of beings would love to have the experience of evolving their consciousness in this way. But so she remembered crash landing at what was really weird and interesting was that as she was, as I was working with her and um, getting this information about all these different all these different places and times, I started to notice this weird phenomenon that I thought was a coincidence for a while, but people who didn't know one another had never met, started coming in for their sessions and started describing similar things like crash landing. Like there, it was interesting. Like so many people started remembering their own memories of this crash that seemed to occur all over the globe. At around the same time where extraterrestrials purposely crashed, they didn't know they were crashing, but they crashed for a reason. And that was because it was supposed to be a one-way mission, which was really interesting. But so many people validated this, which was really wild. And then people were remembering Atlantis or Lemuria, like the end times and the higher consciousness that would come through my clients, because I do Dolores Cannon's method. And so with each client, I asked to speak with their higher consciousness, a couple of them that didn't know one another would say, 
well, you're supposed to document this stuff. You're supposed to put it in a book. You need to do this because people are waiting for this information. So I did it and I wrote my first book, A Hypnotist Journey to Atlantis. And then what was even wilder is a couple weeks later, I started to find out that people were healing from the information. And I had no idea what would happen with these books. It like shot up to number one too. And I self-published, I self-published all my books and no one knew about me. I have no idea how, you know, I guess spirit or whatever you want to call it, just pushed it out there. But I didn't do any of it actually. It was a lot of work behind the scenes, I guess. <laughs> right. That typically is the way that it happens. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. We always think that we're the ones in control. We have these great ideas <laughs> only to find out, oh, that wasn't me. That was them. <laughs> yeah, I know. I wonder what our lives would be like if we each just relaxed and trusted. Can you imagine? It'd be like smooth sailing. Because if you just look back on your life and all the things, how it's all worked out, it always works out for you. Yeah, always. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I love when you were talking about that life is just a game because that's what I always tell my clients is like, don't take this so serious. Yeah, In a hundred years, you're going to look back and like, oh, I thought I was a human. Oh, <laughs> I, I thought I was my bank account. Oh, how yes. silly was I, you know? And it's just so beautiful how we have chosen this holographic experience within this you know, dynamic matrix of creation in order to have these experiences just for the involvement of our soul. Yeah, it's so interesting, isn't it? And the more you really deep dive into people's memories, you realize that it's an orchestrated game, like for us to overcome levels. And then as when people go to the in-between, they always see that. They're like, they have records almost of all the levels that they've like accomplished. It's like you come back with a lesson in mind and you keep trying to repeat the lesson until you learn it. And then you go on to the next one is one big game. And then when the soul leaves the body, it feels like to them, it was just an instant. Like it was just nothing. Although it feels very long to us here in the physical. Right. That is just so beautiful. And it's not just one person's experience. Right. It's everybody's experience yeah. when yeah. you start working. Because I'm also a QHHT practitioner. Oh, I love so, it. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm always amazed at the things that come forward. And when people come back and you're talking to them, they're like, I can't believe I was an extraterrestrial. I don't even believe in extra. What do you mean I was an extraterrestrial? Yeah. I can't believe I said that. How did I know that? You know, and they're just amazed oh. at the knowledge that they're able to unpack during these sessions. And so that was the first book. How did you get started with your second book? Because I want to get into the third book because um, at Sunfire Fest, I saw the video that you did with the lady who was recalling the Native experience. Well, I just got into this series of books because I've realized that they've already been written. <laughs> and so I barely have to do anything because my clients just come in and I'm the transcriber. So as much as I love to take credit for the books, 
Mm -hmm. I'm not the writer. I'm just literally the humble messenger. I'm transcribing all these, I guess it's the higher consciousness, whatever you want to call it. They have an agenda. They send people that are from all over. And then I literally just format it and put it out there. So the Sphinx was no different. I didn't even know it was going to be about the Sphinx until it just started going in that direction. And it was really interesting. They share whatever is important to humanity at the time. Seems very relevant to the time. And so I always get the message to hurry up. Oh, yes. <laughs> I know that message well. You know, and and the beautiful thing is it serves to validate other people's experience when they read them. Uh, it's like, oh, oh I'm not crazy. Oh, oh. This is real. Oh, that memory I had, someone else had it too. You know, so I yeah. think that the work that you're doing is very powerful and really touching the lives of countless people. Oh, thank you for that. Well, I am really not trying very hard. <laughs> <I'm> just, <laughs> I am just transcribing them. But um, the way the third book came about was I... I love this stuff. I mean, it's so fun for me because I'm on a quest. I want to learn. I'm learning like everyone else through, you know, when the book, when the information comes through my clients and people are reading it, that's new to me too. So I'm just excited. I'm always excited what the higher consciousness will share through my clients next. And I can't wait, you know, to find out the next story. Well, the way the third book came about is I had this client come in for his session and he remembered being an extraterrestrial, which I think is so interesting. People say, who are the extraterrestrials? I want to tell them, well, and you probably have, you know, <laughs> so many people have memories, you know, of being an extraterrestrial. So what does that say about extraterrestrials? But he had a memory of being an extraterrestrial. And he remembered that he used that he would like focus in on different objects to see if the focusing would would um, create a reaction. And if there was a reaction, then they would know that it could um, hold consciousness. Mm -hmm. So like they would take like a liquid, a solid or a gas, focus intention, consciousness into this object. And if it reacted in any way, then they knew that that whole realm could spark life. And that's how they would seed some of these other places that were really far away. But I asked his higher self, why'd you show him this? And they said, well, we wanted him to understand the energetics of a human being because he's not utilizing the energetics because human beings um, have this energetic system that they can um, basically manifest with their emotions. And they wanted him to understand that the energetics of a human are that the emotions are like the gateway of um basically the gateway of the universe and a lot of other beings and races don't have the extent of emotions that humans do. So they were telling him focus on an emotion. And whenever a human is experiencing a strong emotion, it's opening up a portal. So you can focus on a positive emotion and you would be opening, opening up a portal. Then imagine what it is that you want and you're more likely to get it during your heightened state of emotion so, of course, after his session, I was like, I'm going to try that at home. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I focused on gratitude and I thought, 
all right, I want my, you know, next subject matter to come because I can't wait to find out what you're going to share with me next. And my phone pinged, but I didn't put two and two together. You know, I just thought the only thought I thought was, why did my phone ping? Because I had my phone set to silent because it's always set to silent, especially during the day. And I was about to work, you know, so I thought that's really weird. And then it was even weirder because it was a Facebook message on Messenger. And you have to be friends with the person for the message to come through. But it was someone named Les. And she said, I had to message you right now out of the blue. And it's the weirdest thing. You're going to think I'm crazy. But I just had to message you right now. <laughs> and I thought to myself, oh, my gosh, I was just doing this manifestation technique asking for a new subject. And this happened. So I said, I didn't want to be weird, but I was like, well, have you ever tried hypnosis thinking, oh my God, this is really weird. You know, that she just answered the call basically. And she was like, no, but I'd be willing to try. I just feel overwhelming an overwhelming need to reach out to you. And I thought to myself, I'm not going to tell her what I was just doing, but I'm going to see what happens. So she came in for her session. She was, I think she's 32. 31 or 32, um, Caucasian woman. And so I brought her under hypnosis and this other like sounding voice came through just very masculine, but it was her voice, but it was just a different tone. It's hard to describe. Mm -hmm. Um, and he's, and this voice said, my name is Anna Wyatt and I'm the one that contacted you. I contacted you because I have been watching you. I guess the whole tribe had been watching me for a long time. And I had deemed myself worthy. <laughs> and so now he was ready to tell his story, but he wanted me to understand that this story wasn't just um, only for his tribe. This is everyone's story. So he started from the beginning and told me his firsthand perspective and memories of his life from the very beginning um, until, you know, the end, which was so fascinating and mostly related to him walking the trail of tears. So he considered himself a Cherokee man and, um, he lived in the 1800s and his name was Anawaya. And so I learned so much from this character, from this past life character. So after the initial meeting with my client, Les, I asked her, if she had ever heard of Anawaya before. And that was her imaginary friend when she was younger. And it makes you wonder, like, wonder if imaginary friends sometimes are past life version of us, like checking on us that have awareness. Because Anawaya said that he had perfected over lifetimes, like the ability to communicate to other li lives that he understood this practice where he would make himself very still and focus his consciousness into like a future or past version, which is really interesting. So I guess he had been coming to her when she was a little kid and then she had forgotten all about him. And so I learned so much. I think one of the really mind blowing things to me that kind of changed my life was while I was working on you know, getting all these memories from Anawaya of walking the trail of tears, I got angry. 
I was pretty upset and I lost it a few times just crying because it's one thing to hear about these stories, but it's another to hear firsthand perspective. And it was nothing like anything I'd ever heard in school. I mean, it was worse. Like it was a genocide, not like a forced relocation of Native Americans in a, in a way I'd learned in school. Um, but I got upset and I said, Anna, why I what happened to the white man? I mean, how could they do this? I'm just don't understand. And he said, not all of them, but most of them understood that it wasn't the white man they were fighting. And I thought this was the first time I had ever heard this. He said that that the he, this is Anna, what, what Anna Y said. He said the white man's culture has been stolen from them so long ago that they don't even remember they have a culture. He said um, their ancient culture was just like every other indigenous culture where they lived amongst the earth and they connected with the earth. They had magical beliefs and they were communicating with fairies and and they were witches and pagans and stuff like that. And that's been taken from them so long ago that they're just walking around not remembering who they are. And so he said most of them knew it wasn't the white man they were fighting that there was a different uh, group they were fighting, but the white man was just a puppet, he was saying. And I thought that's really interesting. And then it made me understand that in a sense, they kind of understood that we are all in this together, that as much as he never said it was like, okay, or anything like that would happen, but there was so much forgiveness that it was really mind blowing to me as I thought, wow, you know, that, that must've been so incredibly traumatic, which it was. But um, what I found fascinating throughout working with him and really uncovering these stories is really that this like negative energy kind of asserted itself to the planet a long time ago, but it does this in cyclical patterns and one of the reasons why that it's okay here is because this is there's a law of duality. So some beings, even today in my session today, when um, my client was remembering coming here to Earth, because it was one of her questions, why did she come here to Earth? And when she was an extraterrestrial living somewhere else, there was no darkness. So they she wanted the experience as a soul to have some darkness because there's more growth for your soul when there's a law of duality. But there was a negative energy that kind of attracted itself here, creating almost like a different experiment. A lot of my clients, when they remember the very early seedings this time around of humanity, that they remember that it wasn't supposed to have this type of negative energy. So what happened was, it seems like it snuck in somehow. I mean, they have filtration systems so that they could try to filter this out, but some snuck in and there was nothing they could do. Once that, they call it the fear virus snuck in, it just had to change the experiment. Um, but when people do remember the very early seeding, they remember usually taking place in Antarctica when it used to have green rolling hills and the beings that were setting everything up for colonization were very excited because there was no fear virus 
And yet it snuck in and it became a devastating event. And they almost scrapped the whole experiment. But life started evolving, so they couldn't leave it. So they had to make do. But there's other realms that don't have the fear virus on it. But it does create more of more of a spiritual growth for a soul that does come here because it is more challenging with this fear virus and it attracts more negative um, energy when there's a fear virus. Not that there is anything bad about that because in a sense, it's all one anyway. It just leads to something different. Right. You know, it makes me wonder as you're talking, have you had anyone to share with you what their um, experience, well, not even experience, what the process was in order for them to arrive here. Did was Is there a consistent, we have to do the birth plan and you have to do this and you have to do that and then you have to be chosen. Have you had people who has spoken to any of those? Yeah, I think it depends on which type of being though, because it seems like, um, some of the beings that come from the Pleiades would take classes. So they would learn like how to eat or how to even experience gravity because it was so different. It's so different there. And violence is something they don't have. So it's quite shocking here. Um, and then there's some beings that comes pretty much straight here that don't seem to need any assistance. Um, I think it really just depends. Then there's some uh, souls that remember coming from Mars. And when they came from Mars and they couldn't really inhabit such a beautiful place, there was a lot of sadness that came with that. And some people still carry a little bit of residual sadness, not knowing why. So they those people seem to have needed to spend a lot of time in the inner earth realm in order to prepare them for this place but what's interesting it seems like mars was always um prophesized to be destroyed just like atlantis and lemuria so it's really interesting it's like it's interesting because it's like there's a template in the higher realms where you can basically go up into the higher realm and see what the most probable future is because it 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 is energetic first and then translates into the physical always it's not created here it's created there first is what it seems like right and what about the process to actually enter into a physical body is there a lottery <laughs> that's a really good question i don't believe that there's a lottery i believe it's if the if your soul on a different level feels that you have something to either contribute accomplish or learn that you will be able to come in here. But they, I have heard that this is one of the most sought out places. But you know what's interesting is that souls want short lifetimes too, though. They want all the experiences, almost like there's like a thumb drive with all the experiences that a, the soul will have, you know, and they want them all. They want to die early. They want to like die old. They want it. They just want all the experiences because then your soul grows. And if you overcome something, it's almost like you can move into a whole different realm. 
It's really interesting. Yeah. Now, speaking of interesting, do you have any upcoming projects or areas of exploration that are that you're particularly excited about? Well, I'm really excited to finish this fourth book. It's taken me a lot longer than the other three because there's so much information and I don't know if it's two books or one book, but I'm trying to finish this book and it's about Avalon, basically. And it's kind of... um. It's almost done. So hopefully in the next couple of months. And um, I've been learning a lot about the Knights Templar and how they would hide sacred information. But I find it really interesting because it's all this stuff that I didn't really know, but it seems simple. I mean, they seem to use this stuff that was called monatomic gold. Have you ever heard of it? Mm-hmm. And it was it's amazing because they would hide it because it was so powerful I'm trying to figure out which monatomic gold works this well, you know, because it really seemed to make a huge difference. They would do really interesting practices, like put their feet in water and have the moonlight touch their head. And it would kind of um, put them into alignment so they could download information, especially with their feet in the water. But it's interesting because apparently, according to so many clients, they hid really interesting artifacts and they hid a lot of these in like a province in Canada and it's buried under like regular treasure miles deep there's the actual treasure and the actual treasure is actually a record of like everything that has happened to us like our true history information about who we really are And the higher self and a bunch of clients have said that this will be known to humanity. And then there's when it is known that nobody could doubt it because it's going to be actual physical proof and it'll be in a language that people could understand. So that's really interesting. I'm excited for that to come out. That is interesting. It makes me um, kind of think about the disclosure. Yeah, the you disclosure know, is happening. Found is is going to be disclosure, and of course, yeah. we're all part of that. So, can you talk just a little bit about you know your opinion and what you see surrounding the disclosure? So, what I've started to notice, and when I'm speaking with different extraterrestrials, is that they are coming to the people. People are being contacted. Disclosure is happening in on a large scale through people. Some people aren't aware always of this contact consciously, but it is happening. I asked um, the higher self once, how many people are contacted? And they said, all people working on themselves. <laughs> I was like, that's a lot. And, you know, what I find really beautiful is I've asked, you know, how come extraterrestrials don't just come down and live amongst us. And they've said before that we need to raise our vibration and reach a certain level to where they can, because right now we're at two different frequencies that it's really difficult for us to be around them, for them to be sharing the same space. And sometimes they have to stay kind of further back from us in order for us to be comfortable. But we are reaching that more and more. And some people are starting to have conscious contact now. They're starting to see things. They've also said that they usually contact people in stages. So like the first stage would be 
the person is curious. The second stage would be they start being contacted in their sleep and they know exactly who they're contacted by and what's happening in their sleep. And then after they're okay with that, then they're contacted in their day-to-day life. So I think it's really exciting, a really exciting time. It's like we're on the precipice of this disclosure movement. Yeah, it is very, very exciting. And so for people who are listening to this or even people who, you know, are aspiring to get involved with hypnosis or write, do you have any words of wisdom to share with them? Well, I absolutely love doing this because you can really help other people that you know, and you can also help yourself. So, I mean, if you wanted to take the QHHT class, the Dolores Cannon class, you can use the discount trust at checkout. And I get a kickback from that, but also <laughs> you save 10%. <laughs> but I would say um, if somebody likes this method and they want to go into it, that it's almost like you start to step into magic because things start changing. The more you become curious about the universe, the universe is a reflection. So when you're curious about the universe, the universe responds and becomes curious about you and all kinds of stuff starts happening. It's like an initiation, a game. So you get curious about things and all of a sudden the universe responds and starts sending you numbers and things like that. And all kinds of synchronicities start happening. And then it just grows and grows from there. And then you're living in magic by the by the time you know it. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, you know, I really appreciate your coming today and sharing with people because as I said earlier, I do believe that the books that you're writing, not just inspire people, but that they also help to validate other people's experience. And that is so, so important uh, that people understand that they're not alone. So I want to thank you for the work that you're doing here on the planet. Thanks so much. I really enjoy what I'm doing. That's awesome. All right, everybody, you've been listening to Sarah Breskman Cosme on Beyond the Skyline, and you can find her on her website at theholistichypnotist.com. So tune in every Sunday at 10 a.m. Mountain Time for more on UAPs, disclosure, and experiences of all kinds. And until then, keep looking up. Thanks, everybody. Namaste.